0: chumbacasino.com by 18 plus website details Hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. My name is Michael Beck, and you would see that I look a little different because that game really aged me the other day between the Cleveland Browns and the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Alongside me once again is Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you? I'm uh, I'm not doing the best. <laughs> I don't blame you no. Um, for those of you listening on uh, on the BTSC family of podcast and audio only, I am Brian Anthony Davis uh, filling in for Michael Beck this week he will be back next week and uh, Jeffrey, I haven't even had a chance to tell you this, but uh, since it is going to be the off season, we'll probably have a cool name for you and keep know your enemy for the entire uh, for the entire regular season and in the off season we'll go with something cool. But we definitely want to have, uh, I will tell you this, we're not going to call it Beck and Black like we did when you first came on. Um, we are going to incorporate uh, the both of you in the theme. So if anybody in the live chat wants to throw in possibilities for an off-season name, feel free to do so. That's something we do with a hangover usually too. Um, so we're, we're looking at some things like that, but we're going to have some fun here. And like Jeffrey said, you know he's not doing well. And a lot of us aren't doing well, because we had great expectations of the Steelers team, especially after going 11-0, and and it was an exciting thing. And then the next thing you know, the bottom drops out. One and five down the stretch. That, I mean, the very first play of the game, everything went wrong for the Steelers. They never got back into it. And it's really demoralizing, because I was telling a lot of people on the show the other day, on the post-game show, on the hangover, Jeffrey, that really my holiday season ends and winter begins when the Steelers are eliminated from play. Yeah. So I feel like it's winter now. Winter has come. It's my Game of Thrones, Jeffrey.
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm that bad off. I don't know if I'm that bad, but it's it stinks. It stinks not getting to watch new games and do new film breakdowns. Now it's where the point of the season where you start digging through all the stuff that happened and see what went wrong. And uh,
1: that's the last fun part. And that that's a lot of what we're doing. And it's great, though, because BTIC has really uh, we don't go away when the Steelers do in the regular season and the postseason. We are going to be here all week, all of next week. All weeks in January, February, March, we're going to be talking about the draft. We're going to be talking about mini camps in May. In June, we're going to be talking about getting ready for camp in July and so on and so forth. We are still going to be here. And that's the exciting thing because that's something that we have put together on the uh, editorial side and on the podcast side. And that's something pretty new this year as well. So we are really pumped up to keep it going. We are looking ahead to 2021. But really, for this being the last Know Your Enemy, before we go to another Wednesday show with Michael and Jeffrey, we want to talk about the Steelers' greatest enemy in the 2020 season. And in the end, it could only be one team, Jeffrey. Who do you think that is? The Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian. Absolutely. And if you look at the thumbnail for this show, usually the thumbnail um, on on the uh, podcast network on the article is a picture of the Steelers lining up against last week it was the Browns the week before it was the Browns but in different uniforms because one was home one was away Um, all season long we went with their opponent this week we went with the Steelers wearing home whites on offense and the Steelers wearing excuse me away whites and the Steelers wearing home blacks on defense going up line of scrimmage against each other. And that's basically the way it feels like right now, because in the end, they were absolutely their own best, their really own worst enemy. So Jeffrey, can you expound on that? What went wrong and why did they end up shooting themselves in the foot and being their own worst enemy?
2: Well, I think the biggest takeaway from the wildcard game, first I want to start with the offense was healthy. If you yes. go from week from before the preseason started, not week one, you go from the starting lineup the Steelers wanted to have when they made that roster, when they brought that in, the only player missing from that lineup that was like a even a rotational player. Um, actually, wait, was anyone? No, they had uh, everyone, they had everyone. The only one they're missing was their backup, uh, that they cut. Uh, the backup offensive lineman, man, my name—I just lost his Stephen name. Stefan Wisniewski. Yeah, Wisniewski. He's—he's he's like the only one they've lost. They lost.
1: Everyone else is there. Well, playing. Besides watching, Zach Banner, too. Zach I mean,
2: Banner. There you go, Zach Banner. Zach Banner at left tackle, and a back and a rotational, you know, interior lineman. They had everyone else. They had everybody. So, what was interesting to me is they really showed who they were in that game. The offense really showed it, and if you look at the stats, you'd say, wow, 500 yards for Ben Roethlisberger, but if you watch the game, that only started in the second quarter when the Browns went into prevent defense and started giving the Steelers offense yards, and what do we know? What, what do we know about this offense? All year, they took what the defense gave them. When the defense started giving them more, they took more. Until then, they didn't get much. I mean, their first... uh their best drive, their best end of drive in the first quarter was a punt. They had they had two turnovers, one for a touchdown and a punt in the first quarter. This, it was absolutely terrible. Uh, when we look at overall season stats, like Ben Roethlisberger looked really good for a lot of the season, but when you look at the team stats, this team was 18th in points per drive, 18th. Sixteenth. If you take uh, one of my favorite stats, is scoring percentage minus turnover percentage. Basically, the end. How, how often do they score versus how many times do they give the defense a bad situation? They were sixteenth in that middle of the middle of the field. Twenty fourth in time of possession. Uh, drive success rate, which is the percentage of times you get a first down that you turn it to either a touchdown or another first down. They were twenty fourth. Again, twenty fifth. Sorry, twenty fifth. At their best, they were average. And that's factoring in the early season where they were good with the late season where they were bad. The offense wasn't good. It just wasn't good. And that was the real thing holding the back. The defense is top five. The offense just wasn't good. Uh, and Brian. Yes. Who would you say is our offensive MVP this year on the Steelers?
1: Hmm. Um I got to tell you, I mean, if we went up for the first, maybe the first 10 games, I would probably have said uh, Ben Roethlisberger because he was the one making it happen. But then when I look at it, uh, when I get up in that MetLife or Goodyear blimp or whatever you want to say and look at the, the view, maybe, I mean, this could be a stretch, but it could be one or two rookies. It could have been Chase Claypool or it could have been Kevin Dotson.
2: Yeah. And Kevin, and Kevin Thompson didn't even start the wild card game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he didn't even
2: get on the field. Like, oh.
1: What were your thoughts on that?
2: Well, an interesting thing is first five games of the year, Steelers were a top 10 rushing team. Top 10 rushing team in the NFL. And that's, that's not just total yards. If you take out QB kneel downs, because that really kills their average. They had like 160 runs and 10 of them were kneel downs for negative yards. They're 10th in the NFL in yards per rush the first five weeks of the season. And then that all fell apart. Like they could run the ball. The offense was going well. They were doing great. You know, what happened? As we we talked about on this show and in film rooms before, uh, what happened is teams found out that the Steelers had a few tricks that they were playing. To make the offense work, they had, an, they had they really had two offenses. I did a film room on this early in the season. It, it's a story of two offenses. There's Ben Roethlisberger in shotgun, eleven personnel, one tight end, one running back right next to him, three wide receivers, no motion, run routes, and just you know let Ben see the whole field. That's Ben Roethlisberger, and the other one used motion. It used different personnel packages. It, it ran the ball well. And once teams figured out, hey, every time that jet motion happens, they don't throw the ball. And when they figured out, hey, if they send a wide receiver one from one side of the field to the other side of the field, guess what? They're not throwing the ball. Teams, as soon as the Steelers went in motion, they were like, Oh, 90% of the time it's going to be a run play. And they knew that. Because our offense, when we tried to do that with Ben, you run a jet sweep fake like motion, and then tried to throw the ball, not we didn't complete a single one. Play action passes. Oh, my goodness. We saw that this week again. His first interception. Play action. They run a play action pass. I heard it. On, I'm like, I was in the car. I'm listening to it on the radio. I'm trying to get home, watch the game. I hear him say, Ben Roethlisberger. It's play action. I was like, oh, God, there's going to go bad. And they're like, it's intercepted. And I was like, yeah. yeah, there you go. It's play action. Ben doesn't work with play action. Uh, and I, I don't want to criticize Ben Roethlisberger too much here. because honestly for me, Ben Roethlisberger is your offensive MVP. He was the best player on this team's offense. The problem is he is a 17-year veteran. He's played 253 games. He's thrown 8,582 passes. That is a lot of film. And defenses have him figured out. They know his tendencies. They know the throws he's best at. They know all of that. They know everything he does. So When you look at this offense and you say, okay, when they try to change it up, it doesn't work for Ben. And what Ben does best, teams have figured out. And Ben no longer is the guy who can create after plays, you know, throw defensive linemen to the ground to make plays. He can't do that to beat a defense geared to stop him. And he doesn't have Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown made this work because between Ben and Antonio, they had that Wi-Fi. They could do things on the fly. There were plays Antonio Brown would talk me. He'd be like, "Yeah, well Ben looked at me, so I ran a different route." Like Ben would just look over at Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown was like, "Gotcha, change the route up, boom, first down." Like they could do that. The two of them. Ben doesn't have anyone like that now, and so teams can solve. Teams can just basically solve him. That was the first thing I want to bring up. Is that's the offense? That's the offense we had this year with Ben. Um and it it didn't work. We saw it in 2018. It didn't work very well. 2020, it worked even less. So that's that's our first thing. The, the Steelers offense, full strength, doesn't work. It just didn't work. And I know people are going to say, I mean, when we blame the offense, we look at the offense and say, the offense doesn't work, Brian. Who are we talking about? Who do we go to? Who do we look at and say, well, we need to fire that guy?
1: you're looking at Randy Feitner, the offensive coordinator usually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Randy Feitner. He's terrible. Get rid of him. And then, and I was starting to agree with that. And then I watched the wild card game again. And the worst part of that wild card game is offensive genius, Kevin Stefanski, saving the Browns, making Baker Mayfield look like a good quarterback. All that stuff is running the same playbook. Most of the plays they run, are one steeler's run. One Steelers were trying to run earlier in the season. Out of packages and formations we've seen the Steelers use with the same concepts that we use in our passing game. The only there's really only two there's okay, we'll give them three differences. Three differences between the Browns offense we saw in the wild card game and the Steelers offense we saw in the wild card game. One is the Browns use motion. They use it and they use play action. And it works. When we try to do that, it doesn't work. That's difference number one. Difference number two is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb not only is a great running back who can break tackles and power through things, he has incredible vision. I I I had disagreed with Kevin Smith or other like KT Smith, or, or he's a great film breakdown guy he's a high school football coach in new jersey my partner on the
1: three game show yeah
2: yeah yeah he goes and yep he he always told me james connor doesn't have good enough vision james connor doesn't have good enough vision i'm like well you know there's there's a lot of problems there's the holes there's blocking watching that game nick chubb has great vision james connor did not but the run plays were the same The blocking wasn't that different. Like Nick Chubb's not getting huge holes. He's hitting the holes he's got. When Connor hits the holes he's got, it works too. Uh, And the last thing is, they have a worse quarterback. Baker Mayfield is not as good as Ben Roethlisberger. He's just not. Ben Roethlisberger is still a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. The problem is, his offense doesn't work. The offense he runs best doesn't work. But he's still better. He's still a good enough quarterback, you know, if they can do something with it.
1: Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I I could tell you're fired up, and I, I agree with you on all of that. And and when you say that about Stefanski, you know, he – you're right. This is a very, very similar offense, and they're making it work. And they were able to make it work without him even being in the stadium. He was at home as a spectator. But his plan worked because they worked on it all week, whether it be on Zoom. Some people think it might have been an advantage that uh, they were in the classroom all week and they were analyzing film and the players were doing the same thing. And that's something to look at too. But Baker Mayfield, and you know, I'm very critical of Baker Mayfield, but I will tell you he had a phenomenal game because he was put in a good position to have a great game. And that's exactly what the coaching staff did for him. Um, I do want to talk about the offense a little bit more and some of the things that are going wrong with the offense and one of them one of the big questions that we get a lot is why did you pay Derek Watt so much and not play him but before i get into that i want to bring up a man of his same position that uh, steeler nation lost this week and snowman gives us $5 in the in the super chat and says rest in peace to tim lester who was the bus driver for drone bettis he passed away yesterday from covid-19 he was 52 Prayers go out to his family. Snowman, thank you so much for the five dollars in the tip jar. And Tim Lester, that was a guy number thirty-four. And when I covered uh, Digit Dynasty, and when I covered the the uh, best numbers in the in the uh, preseason, I covered the top twenty-five best numbers in Steeler history. And when we talked about number thirty-four, we talked about Tim Lester being one of them. And he was one of those guys. Did not get a lot of carries. In fact. I think he had less than 80 carries in a 9-year career. But he was so beneficial. He had a, he had a few touchdowns, but he paved the way for Jerome Bettis's greatest seasons, especially as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Your thoughts on Tim Lester passing?
2: Oh, he was he was one of my favorite players. I always I loved the fullbacks. He was he was fantastic. He was just straight up old-school blocking fullback and he was one of the best. Absolutely, one of the best. If I'm right, he played with Jerome, uh, in for the Rams.
1: in Ram. L.A. Yeah,
2: yeah. Came over when after Jerome came over, and just was incredible for the Steelers. He was absolutely incredible for the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers, up until then, had always used the fullback in the offense. I remember, John L. Williams was a pass catcher. You know, they they always tried to get those uh, those fullbacks that would help out and actually touch the ball. And then Lester was their first of the real – he's just here to block. He's here to make Jerome Bettis better, and he did. He made – he that run game will never be forgotten by Steeler fans, 96, 97. The, the Cordell Stewart years where it was just Bettis and Cordell. And teams knew – you it was, those teams, in my opinion, that offense was better than Lamar Jackson and what they do in Baltimore right now. Cordell, that was what they were running, and it was phenomenal. If they had the offensive game plans that, that Lamar Jackson has now, you know, running back then, that team would have been insanely good. Cordell Stewart was that kind of quarterback, and Jerome Battis was great, and a lot of that went behind. They had a fullback who just made a difference. He could block defensive linemen. He would just move linebackers right out of the way. He was phenomenal. Loved Tim Lester, and that's really sad to see him. that he's gone at 52, man. That's too young.
1: Yeah, we've we've lost a lot of guys from the that nineties team in the last couple weeks. Um, Kevin Green being one of them, and now Tim Lester. Um, when I heard those names, um, when I heard the news yesterday, I was bummed out because even though I grew up in the 80s watching the Steelers, I feel like I got serious into the Steelers in the 90s because I was in college, and that's when I really got to know the team more than just being a fan that watched them every week. And he was one of those guys that when he came in actually i hate to correct you he actually came in before jerome and oh, the, and a year before jerome came in and they uh, they actually uh, asked him they asked him for some feedback on jerome because since they played together because he was he led the way in jerome's fantastic rookie season and jerome had a very good year his second season when they brought in rich brooks in 1995 and moved to St. Louis that year. That's when Jerome struggled. They found an opportunity to draft Lawrence Phillips and they brought him back. They they got rid of John, Will, John L. Williams. His contract was up. They were able to move Tim Lester into the starting role and Jerome Bettis flourished right away and they picked up right where they left off. With the Los Angeles Rams, so thanks so much for all those thoughts on uh, Tim Lester. Uh, May he rest in peace. Blessings to his family, and I know uh, he was a uh, a wonderful uh, he he was wonderful with uh, children and the game of football and uh, and uh, trying to pass on pass on the game as well um, as a as a coach and a mentor in the Atlanta area. So once again, uh, Tim Lester, rest in peace. I'm getting back to the Steelers. the 2020 Steelers with a season just ending, Jeffrey, we talked about how they run the same type of offense, the Browns. It worked for the Browns. Didn't work for the Steelers. Is there a quick fix? Is there, is the salary cap not going to allow them to fix it? Does this team need blown up right now? Does Ben Roethlisberger have one more year to maybe find some magic is it the offensive coordinator's fault? I just threw a lot of stuff at you. What is the number one change that could happen that might supersede everything else that needs done?
2: The biggest the biggest change would be for them to somehow get Ben Roethlisberger comfortable with using more motion. Uh, Baker, they ran a lot out of shotgun and it worked. They ran a lot of plays out of shotgun. Play action out of shotgun is not the same. As you know, you're not turning your back to the to the field. We've seen every time Ben Roethlisberger turns his back to the field, when he turns back around, he takes like a full second just to figure out that players are on the field. He like turns back and he's like, "Wait, where are, where's everybody? Where where'd they all go?" Like the, he's completely lost when he takes his eyes off the field. Um, And shotgun, you don't have to do that. He and Ben improved with the RPOs. He got better with that stuff. He needs to he needs to be able to handle motion. Uh, they were freeing up Jarvis Landry, using motion, using different things, making cornerbacks shift their alignment. And as those cornerbacks are shifting their alignment, they're snapping the ball. Uh, One of the first downs, one of the few third down conversions uh, the Steelers, the Browns picked up that were over the – that were, you know, they picked up throwing the ball. Uh, They moved Jarvis Landry into motion and stacked him right with uh, Rashad Higgins. And as they are doing that – Steven Nelson has to back up so that they're not the cornerbacks aren't right there and they can't, they can't like crisscross and, and run the quarterbacks into each other. One cornerback has to back up. As Steven Nelson is backing up, they snap the ball and Rashard Higgins just runs straight at him. He's gotten a free release. And as he's running, Nelson's having to pull back and he pulls into a quick out route, catches the ball. And it was like they got Nelson moving backward, use that momentum against him in the route to win a quick out route, which is a route Nelson's usually good against. But that motion created opportunity there. Uh, Jarvis Landry's touchdown, that he went for 40 yards. The initial space he got from Mike Hilton was again created because they ran motion and then snapped it really quick. As the cornerbacks are adjusting to the new positions, they snap it really fast and go, go from there. And there's just that little extra bit of space That lets the receivers get open and lets the quarterback also see exactly what the defense is doing because he sees the guy either going in motion or not. He starts to see the other, you know, the defense react and he can snap it quick and go. They even ran it with like Baker Mayfield was throwing in like 2.4 seconds, they said, which is what Ben does. Ben was throwing in 2.4 seconds. It doesn't work for us. The other thing they had is short yardage. They killed us because their run game. You have to respect their run game. And if you have to respect that run game and you have to respect the motion and the passing out of the motion, everything gets backed up. Everything gets backed off a bit or tightened in. And you can just look and say, okay, they got everyone on the line. I'm going to throw this. That's when their little RPO plays work. Because if everyone's up on the line, we're going to throw it. If everyone's, you know, if they're standing back sitting on that slant, then we're going to run it. It's, It's that simple. You just get a slight bit of an advantage and it turns the tide. But that doesn't work for the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger doesn't work with motion, and that's my that's my big number one deal. Either Ben Roethlisberger needs to be able to do that, or they need to move on to a quarterback who can. Because this offense, Ben's offense that he is comfortable running, is not going to work unless the Steelers somehow next year have an Antonio Brown level receiver for him that he has that kind of connection with that he can just make it work anyways. That's it. And like, Brian, do you think we got anyone like that? Like, like, what's our chance of that? Like,
1: well, that rapport is not, uh does not come overnight either. You know, you just cannot connect just like that. It takes a lot of time in mini camps in uh in, preseason you know you need those exhibition games and we don't see Ben in in preseason games that much as well so you know it it does take a while so I don't know if that's good that would come right away and I'd also like to talk about the running game and we're going to do that uh, but we're going to come back we're going to take a break so if you're checking us out on Facebook or if you're checking us out here on YouTube stick around take a gulp of something in a cup next to you um, take a breather. And then what we're going to do is we're going to be right back. If you're listening to us on any of the platforms that you go ahead and download your favorite podcast, guess what? Just download number two and we'll be back right after this on Know Your Enemy. This week, the enemy is the very own Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll be right back.